Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this week, we are welcoming back Rob Steger to the show. Um, the last time we talked with Rob, he it was about a year ago, and he had just kind of finished uh, the Moab 240. Yes, 240-mile race <laughs> through Moab. Um and so we kind of heard his heard his ideas there. He was in the middle of writing a book. Um, right now, the book is out. It's called Training for Ultra. Uh, he he's in the midst of of now uh, seeking out all these really cool and interesting projects. So um, he he's made a couple short films. Uh, we talk about one here. It's called uh, Sub Florida States. Definitely check that out. Um, but really. Uh, his podcast training for ultra which is excellent by the way and and uh if you want to hear complete race reports from what we're about to talk about today please i highly suggest going on listening to those episodes um but his podcast has grown but now it's kind of turned into this really cool like multimedia thing um and it's just a complete honor to be able to sit down and and chat with him uh our topic this week is the Triple Crown of 200s, which are uh, the three big 200-mile races put on by Destination Trails and Candice Burt. And, and the people who take on the Triple Crown do all three in about three months, uh, which is in everything in ultra running it has to be up there as one of the absolute hardest challenges that take the most focus the most energy the most sacrifice uh to actually accomplish so um super excited to talk to rob uh in this episode we kind of get the highlights of his triple crown experience um talk everything from uh showing up late to the start line at the Tahoe 200 and how that played with his mind, his emotions, um, uh, all the way to in that same race, uh, almost getting, uh, well, probably having hypothermia and having to battle through, through that. And, and kind of, you know, from a little more insight on that, we just, uh, did an episode with one of my good friends, Thomas Mullins, number 164, in which he talks about the Tahoe 200. And you can kind of hear how this crazy weather system hit at the end of that race and and brought <laughs> brought back uh, a battle of epic proportions to uh, to all the brave souls out there um, battling through it. Um, we also talk quite a bit about his... Uh, his Moab race, um, Moab 240, in which he did something called the 401k for pediatric cancer, um, in which Rob raised uh, raised money for a little girl named Celia, uh, who is currently battling uh, her own her own battle uh, with a rare histiocytosis brain tumor. Um, it's it's one of those things where ultra running becomes less about the self-discovery and now uh, putting it, he put himself out there for a greater purpose. So definitely check that, that out. You can find all of his information. If you just look up training for ultra um, on Facebook, Instagram, um, you can also type in 401k for uh pediatric cancer and and the donation page will come up uh 
super good cause. Uh, Celia was able to kind of meet him at the end of his race in Moab. Um, really cool. So, so definitely, um, definitely support Rob, uh, and, and one other thing that's really exciting that is going to come out later this year is not only did he complete the triple crown, but he, uh, he had a documentary crew kind of documenting the whole entire thing. And it'll, it'll be on Amazon as an adventure show for all of us to, to view, enjoy. We get to witness the ups and the downs and, uh, celebrate with Rob and, uh, you know, see all the, all the major obstacles that an adventure, um, like taking on the triple crown of two hundreds brings. So, um, but yeah, definitely support him. Uh, I've uh, always a pleasure getting to sit down and talk with him and, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy the show. Let's get right into it. Uh, this is the like a Bigfoot podcast number one sixty eight with Rob Steger. All right, Rob. Uh, welcome back to the show, man. Uh, I really appreciate you taking your time uh, out of what you. what you just told me is probably the uh, the ultra endurance version of podcasting. I yeah, just you know, I'm I'm banking time here. That that's always a good plan. Go out hard, bank some time, yeah. so you don't blow up uh, halfway through the race. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you, dude. Um, first of all. Uh, Training for Ultra is an awesome podcast. I love listening to it. Um, and on top of everything, since we've had you on last, you've you've written a book. You uh, you filmed a short film called Sub Florida States, um, which feel yeah. free to definitely get into that. Um, and I, on top of everything, uh, you also completed the Triple Crown of Two Hundreds, which, in my opinion, has to be up there. Um, with any ultra running event that you possibly could sign up for. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's been fun. My little passion project turned like, you know, into borderline full-time job here, but you know, yeah. I, I work a full-time job. Um, I try to balance it. I'm, I'm not perfect. I have the extreme personality, but yeah, it's, it's been a big year. I'm really thankful that it all worked out because one rolled ankle, you know, at the early stages of Bigfoot 200 and I mean the story could be totally different so oh I know dude because I literally am like four days off of rolling my ankle standing in line for the bathroom at a wedding oh no yeah I'm telling you group runs just like your casual like 12 minute group run like 12 minute pace yeah having fun on concrete two miles those are the dangerous situations. It's not when you're on the trail actually focused. A lot of the time it's these one-off events. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, it's dude. No it's, fun. It's a huge bummer. Um, I'm supposed to, I'm, I'm, I am going to fly out to DC next week and, or this weekend and do the Marine Corps marathon 50 K. Um, okay. I'm definitely going to line up at the start line. That's the plan. Uh, and we'll kind of see from there. It doesn't hurt too bad, to be honest. So hopefully, hopefully, so, you know, at least get, get, get it started. See how it goes. If I, if I have to drop, it's, it is what it is. You know, I commit to a race. So when I sign up for a race, I commit to flying yeah. out. I make all the arrangements <clears throat> and 
if I pull something a week before the race, well, now I can volunteer at an aid station or now I can crew someone like I still am going to have a fun experience, you know, and I'm looking at the longer term picture. But, yeah, it's that's never fun, especially at a wedding. I mean, dude, and I was let me just really quick explain this because then I really want to get into Triple Crown. But (laughs) I got to get this off my chest. Um, (laughs) I was it was dark out. And I was waiting in line for the bathroom and there was all you were standing on these like jagged rocks and all these little old ladies were standing in line, too. And I was like, ma'am, can I help you walk to the bathroom? And, you know, I was like, I hope these little old ladies don't fall down and hurt themselves. And then, of course, walking back up over the jagged rocks, just twist, snap. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. So they were all helping you. They were. The little old lady was like, are you okay?" And I'm like, yeah. I'm fine. How how bad how bad of a turnover turnover was it? Is it like black and blue or it's, there's a little bruising right now. Uh the swelling's okay. gone down. I I mean I rode a, the bike this morning and it felt fine. I feel fine walking on it. So I'm kinda like, you know what? If worse comes to worst and I walk for three hours of the Marine Corps marathon and then call it a day, like I'm totally cool with that too. So Did you get your daily yoga in? I did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's more that's more important than the bike. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Got to keep the streak alive. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, dude, I, so first of all, I have to ask you, um, let's just really quick, before we get into Triple Crown all the way, like you have a really important why, um, you know, the whole reason you signed up for the Triple Crown and and what you did and raising money along the way and all that. So can you kind of go into that? Um So I went into the Triple Crown selfishly wanting a challenge after Moab 240 last year. Um, It was hard to figure out, like, what was going to excite me. I I need excitement. I need a goal to shoot for every day to wake up so that I don't open the fridge, lay on the sofa, and get lazy. (laughs) Like, I just am very goal-driven, goal-oriented. And it it took me a few weeks or months, and then... Yeah, once I had that on the calendar, I was excited again, started lining up some some long runs, aka like Bighorn 100 and some some races that would um, get me to where I needed to be. But yeah, the 401k for uh, pediatric cancer actually kind of took hold before Tahoe. It was after Bigfoot in terms of figuring out how this crazy idea would work and um, empower retirement is a company I work with work for daily and, uh, second largest, uh, 401k provider. So it was kind of like a natural thing for them to, yeah. uh, get excited about. Plus it, the, uh, a woman I work with Robin, her daughter, Celia is the one that had brain cancer last year. You know, they had surgery, they thought she's over it. And then this year, we found out like she had another tumor uh, and th- this time around she's doing 12 months of chemo. And this is like wow. an eight year old, just one of the nicest, most innocent, super smart. I think she's a grade ahead of where she should be wow. um, kid. So it's just like, Oh, I got to help out. Yeah. And so my idea was, I think I saw someone joke on Facebook, like they just signed up for their company's 401k. I don't even know how many miles that is. And I was like, <laughs> wait a second, yeah. wait a second. How many miles is that actually? Yeah. And it's like right around 250. So I was like, well, I'm already running 240. 
<laughs> if I can if I can raise a bunch of money to help research this histiocytosis tumor that this little girl has in her brain is a lymph node based cancer yeah. that's not supposed to exist in the brain. I was like, shit, I'll I'll do ten miles. Like yeah. that suffering's nothing compared to what this family's going through on a daily basis. So yeah, yeah, I'm so thankful to have that kick in. Um, and actually, it might have been right before Bigfoot, now that I think about it, because I was thinking about it at the beginning of Bigfoot. But yeah, initially, I signed up for the triple. Just It was hard to find a goal that I found motivating after doing the Moab 240, because yeah. um, I've always been about distance and pushing my limits. And then it's like, what do you do when you've run one of the longest races available? Like, where's the stoke in signing up for the same race again? Like, there's yeah. just... Like, you know, it was hard for me. So, yeah, having that 401k for pediatric cancer this year, I mean, I think we raised almost $60,000 at this awesome. point. Um, it's still going on. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. So, yeah I, I'll, yeah, I'll link everything on here. I highly suggest going on because, you know, what a what an amazing cause, you know. And I'm just curious, like, because ultra running seems and and it is for a lot of us the whole idea of self growth and I think you even made a post about that today but I was like whoa that's a really interesting point like it is that the idea like um you know we're expanding our own minds we're expanding what we what we think we're capable of right so it's, yeah. it is a selfish endeavor in that or you know for me I'm like it gives me a break from the everyday routine and it and it helps me just be a more calm person in my life um, so that's always a, an important why when I go into a race, but to have something beyond that, like outside of myself, um, like, how does that feel? How does that feel different in the middle of a race? Well, I mean, I'll start with, that's why I wrote my book like that mm -hmm. at the end of my third year running Moab 240, I think I kind of found myself last year. So it was like, I don't need to pursue this much more. Like I know I have answers. Like I can live happy. Like I know what to do now. Um, now it's about helping other people find their passions and find happiness and deal with, you know, we all have issues, um, deal with those issues in a healthy manner and not, you know, go down the addictive uh, path. It's pretty easy to do if you're not happy. So I've devoted all of 2019 to yeah, I mean, I'm doing races, but more of this is to show people like you're capable more. Here's how I find my passion. This is how I wake up, jump out of bed and can't wait to work on stuff. And, you know, and I, I wrote about this kind of at the end of the book. It's, you know, trying to inspire people daily is kind of like, OK, maybe I'll get you out for one run and that's about it. But if I can motivate you to intrinsically find inspiration yourself that's organic and you have developed a passion then that's what I'm all about that's that's what I've really devoted um a year of my life to doing and so yeah in terms of athletic performance when I was out there at the beginning of Bigfoot uh having perspective changes everything I think honestly Running for something bigger than yourself is a, it's almost like a performance enhancing drug because yeah. mentally 
mentally you're just you snap out of funks like it really really helps it elevated my all my performances but uh, most telling was the end of moab 240 this year with i don't know 40 miles to go really being able to get through things that would have held me back and brought me down um being able to focus on this isn't suffering, like understanding yeah. suffering different um, and understanding pain and what real pain is in the world versus what you're just feeling during a race. Like having perspective changes everything. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful to take all of my book profits, all every every project that I've done, I'm throwing all those proceeds into uh developing an amazon tv show for that man i actually meant to say that in the intro i apologize (laughs) yeah that thing i i because i i've listened uh to your to the podcast that you've done about your race recaps and they're fascinating but at the same time to like partner those up with actual like documentary film adventure film like i'm 100 percent all in on watching those like um, thank you yeah and that's gonna i mean dude you're gonna reach and, and touch so many people that uh you know will be just flipping through amazon and they're gonna be like i hope 100 so. miles like what <laughs> <laughs> well so my book i wrote it with the goal of changing 40 people's lives yeah and i think my film work in this tv show is like let's hit 400 like let's every every time i you know really stick my neck out into a new venture i want to add a zero on how many people's lives I'm changing yeah. um, for the better. And I mean, maybe it's a huge failure. I have lots of failures, but what's weird is since becoming an ultra runner, I've totally lost the fear of failure because I have really good perspective. Yeah. Um, and I know like if I have a bad race, it's just a race. You know, I'm not going in for my monthly chemo treatment. Like yeah. I have great perspective. I'm very thankful to have a, you know, healthy two, two sons that are healthy. Um, and I've gotten lucky on that front and yeah, really what I'm hoping for is people turn on the eco challenge, which is going to be on Amazon. And then they realize that's exactly what's going to happen, man. That's that's exactly what's going to happen. (laughs) But what else, what else is extreme out there? And you know what Amazon's going to recommend that if you've watched the eco challenge, you've also watched. Yeah. Uh, training for ultra so we'll see oh for sure man it works yeah it could be a failure i don't you know whatever it's cool that amazon is kind of going in that route of adventure sports shows and bringing the eco challenge back obviously is their biggest venture but like i went on the other day and i found a whole bunch of you know just kind of random documentaries that i'm like whoa this one sounds really cool and you know would go on and watch them and and i wonder if that's kind of like new for amazon you know I mean, if they're listening, season two's open and available. That's right, man. Uh, what's the guy's name? What's the Amazon guy? Mr. Amazon. Jeff Bezos. Yeah, there you go. Hey, Jeff. Hashtag uh, Jeff Bezos. Help out. Yeah. Um, yeah come on, dude. Um, yeah, man. That's that's awesome. So I, I what I wrote down because I, I like I said, I listened to all of your race recaps of these. Um, Thank you. So Hopefully I kind those of. Were- yeah, dude, they were awesome. But I was kind of like, okay, how do I like summarize some of these ideas 
and that way this could be like a little tease and if you want to hear the full recap go to rob's uh training for ultra cool. podcast um so first of all i want you to do this for me just out of curiosity um especially because there's not a lot of people out there who have ran all three um so can you kind of compare and contrast the three different races so we're talking about bigfoot yeah. 200 tahoe 200 and moab 240 so it starts with bigfoot in august it's out um in washington state it's a cool race it's probably one of the most beautiful um series of trails that are all connected it winds around like you get a taste of all kinds of different terrains like you you go through the mount st helens blast zone which is really techy and you're leapfrogging giant like volcanic rock uh formations and it's so dangerous honestly like this stuff will cut your legs up really quick but then you drop down into like this lush vegetation um into some big giant redwoods and it's always kind of misting there and so i hit a giant lightning storm uh i don't want to give too much away but yeah it's it's just a stunningly beautiful race like you're running in the clouds it gets up high the views i get asked this all the time like what's your favorite race of the three i would say bigfoot honestly might be my favorite race ever and that more than anything has to do with the time of day i i hit certain climbs the weather patterns at certain times like i hit a sunrise like one mile into the sunrise that was like the most amazing mile I've ever run hands down. But then like, even when things got bad and I'm sleeping in this basically tropical, like rainforest, it felt like, um, yeah, I had cool experiences where like the mist was coming down through the trees and you see the redwoods. It was just a special experience. And so 30 days later after that, finish is um tahoe 200 lake tahoe area is beautiful really cool kind of race briefing right on the lake that's cool uh you i i missed the start so you'll get to experience that with me by 40 minutes that's always stress-free um, you know uh yeah especially <laughs> when you have a camera crew like <laughs> It was awful. Yeah. It was awful. Um, they shut traffic down to one lane. Oh and so God. we stayed we stayed in um, like the Olympic Village area. And it's normally like a 10 or 15 minute drive. And it took us over an hour oh. to get there. So it was just outrageous. Were, um, were, at the, any moment, were you like, get me out, like, let me out of the car. I'll just run to the start line. I Yeah, I did think that. And it was four <laughs> miles. It was like four or five miles. And... I think I made the right choice. Yeah, we ended up like out. maybe some borderline illegal car moves to get <laughs> to the start. Um, but the best part of that story is we, so Candace was nice enough. She let us start late and we were a quarter into the race, quarter mile into the race, take a left. There's no one to follow. So we're like just trying to go and we go off course by a quarter of a mile. Oh my God. <laughs> And then we go a quarter of a mile back. And so not only were we like 35, 40 minutes late, but we just tagged on a half mile. So and that was Candace can probably see you from the start line. Like, Candace, what are they doing? What are they doing? Yeah. Her head was probably down in her hands. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I should pull them now. 
But but yeah, the uh, Rubicon Trail, there's a reason there's a badass Jeep that has Rubicon written on the hood. Yeah. Uh, that is a gnarly trail. The marble dust will eat you up. Like It destroys feet. It destroys lungs. Uh, it's difficult. There's just no way around it. Every five years, I think they switch directions. I honestly, I don't know what would be harder, um, having that dust beat you up first or Ooh, last. Yeah. I mean, it just, it sucked. Um, yeah. you know, it was, it was nice. It got hot. Um, it, I caught up within 30 or 40 miles. I was in the middle of the pack already. That's so awesome. I, I had like a good, I was running really well. I had some low points I'm trying to think though, in terms of the race itself, you're you're going all all the way around uh, Lake Tahoe, so I mean, I was having just a phenomenal race. Like considering where I started, I think mentally I was in a really great spot. Had one of the best segments of my life from 100 miles to 120. It was it was in the dark, and I really enjoyed it. I was all by myself, um, didn't see a soul. Just had my headphones on. Had that that little uh, iPod shuffle, like probably burning hot, just on repeat. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. but yeah, the the I had a bad segment there that just took everything out of me. And I don't know why this turned into a race summary, but uh, the waterproofing on my coat just uh, must have been washed off. When it got cold, right? Like it got, there was a snowstorm at one point. Um, a couple of episodes ago, I had my friend uh, Thomas Mullins on. And I don't know if you passed like a very uh, rugged looking Texas man with a cowboy hat, um, but he was out there <laughs> suffering with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the cold rain. Like I was like a wet dog that then got thrown in a freezer. Um, I, I was just talking to Catcher about this. Like, I and she was out there. I think I probably technically went hypothermic, but I didn't really. I don't know. That's scary man. I, I got lucky. I mean, it's a great race. Um, the gain was nothing like Bigfoot. Bigfoot's climbs were much more gnarly, much more rugged. This was, this was more of like connectors there were some trails that were absolutely stunningly beautiful um but the mountain views i don't know i mean it was nice trust me it was it was great and some of the um the trails were i mean i i think it was time of day and and that stuff kind of affected my experience but in terms of crew like bigfoot i went without a crew without a pacer for the entire race wow Tahoe, I had crew for the majority of the stops. They stopped a Taco Bell for me. <laughs> I had a, a 10 pack of tacos to like just annihilate. Um, it was a bad race. It was just a one off race for me. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Like it just, you know, you well, have those one off yeah. situations, you know? Yeah. Was there any, you know, it's the middle one. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the excitement of the first. I mean, I'm just trying to it's think of day. like, yeah, it's Wednesday. How, <laughs> yes, I mean, Wednesday. But it's, <laughs> you know, and just being in the Triple Crown itself, like, uh, I wonder if that, like, psychologically played any role, you know? No, starting 40 minutes behind that everyone <laughs> and then going off half a mile 
totally messed with my head. Yeah. Um, but I truly, I reset. That's the worst part of that race was at mile 120. I I was there. Yeah. I was ready to like have this be the comeback story. And I bonked so bad for 20 miles straight. And then it was once again, like I was totally destroyed, took a nap, went to the aid station. I came back from the dead. I was ready. I was smiling, running, and then got just crushed by that rain and yeah. snowstorm. Yeah. So by, by after, like by the time of getting through that, it was more like, okay, I'm done. Like I almost died of hypothermia. Like if I quit running up the mountain, like I would have gone totally hypothermic Yeah. during a blizzard. So there's no way like the spot tracker would have a helicopter rescue is out of the question. Cause they wouldn't have seen me like That's scary, it was, man. it was gnarly. It hit it was gnarly. at the weirdest time. I mean, like it hit at the end of the race, right. For a lot of people. And and to have to put up with that after over 150 miles of a race, like I can't even wrap my head around, around like taking that on, you know? I mean, it was one of those, like, uh, I spent a long time at that aid station following that snowstorm and I was not going to leave until my gloves were warm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I slept, I ate food and just was like, I'm sorry, like, my hands were so cold they wouldn't close like i yeah it was bad um we think we think because we have a gps spot tracker or a gps watch that we're like in this weird like video game where anytime we're done we just hit stop and we can get pulled out and so like you just have to remember how gnarly rugged wild these races are like just because there's course markers doesn't mean it's safe yeah. Like, um, and it's easy to forget and I'm guilty. Like I was out there just racing, not concerned about anything. And then I had massive gear failure. Like my gloves weren't waterproof, my coat soaked through and my waterproof airtight pants, these Patagonia Houdini pants, like I've worn them so many races, they kind of split up the side of the leg so they didn't hold air in. Oh, and so like it was just gear failure after gear failure that yeah. could have been fatal if i wasn't lucky so yeah. jeez, man well so last year when we we chatted you uh kind of shared the story of of your first moab so going mm -hmm. back to moab 240 um you know seeing your posts and things like that it looks like i guess with the with the two giant races building up to it um it seemed like you I don't want to say it didn't struggle because I don't think that would be accurate for anybody doing that race, but it seemed like you had a better year. I had a hell of a lot better year. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was so mentally th something uh, clicked when I was so for the 401k, I got to add miles. And the question is, where do you add those miles? Like, do you add and I got to ask you, Chris, like, where would you add the miles if it was up to you? If you have to do a 240 mile race. <laughs> And you have to add nine miles or whatever it is like before, after split it. What are you going to do? You, you made the right decision that you got to do it before you have to do it before. Cause when so, you get to the finish line, yeah. there's no way you're going to want to do nine more miles. 
So my plan was I do seven and a quarter before the race and then I leave two miles at the end of the race. So it's a, or two and a half roughly. So it's a four, four K. Um, so I can run the last four K with, um, some of Celia's sisters and like my dad, my dad might run it with me. So mentally I was ready for two miles at the end and I, I'm, I got up at 4am and I did the seven and a quarter miles. I'm out there on the streets of Moab, just just running up and down Moab, like the main street. I ran all the way down to, um, along the river and then back. Nice. Um, but I ran past the start line twice, which was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, during that run, I realized like David Goggins is sleeping. <laughs> I'm realizing like every single person running Moab 240 is sleeping and resting and preparing. I'm out here slogging out the miles. Like, yeah, this is this is getting extreme. Like <laughs> I'm, <laughs> like this is putting me back on sleep. This is taking a physical toll on me. I need every ounce of energy to finish one of the longest trail races in the world. Like, but yeah, having that seven and a quarter, like I did it quicker so I could get back to the hotel. I literally just ran right out of the hotel, ran right back into their little breakfast nook. Basically (laughs) (laughs) had some omelets. They had my favorite fake egg omelets and, uh, fake egg omelets, dude. Hotel fake (laughs) egg omelets are the best. And then we, we, yeah, we jumped in the car. I, I think I changed socks and tried to relax a little bit, but yeah. still it was like, what am I doing? Like some of the most extreme athletes in the world were not, <laughs> we're not doing that. So yeah, that's crazy, man. Well, you mentioned Goggins. So I got to ask like everybody, like I love Goggins, his stories, his book is great. It's one of the best books. I'm like, I need to reread it just for motivation you know, um, what, what was that like? Cause I, I, I liked your, on your podcast, you mentioned being at the, uh, the check-in and then you're like, wait a second, David Goggins. It's all on, yeah. all on film, dude. <laughs> like all of it. You should slow motion your reaction when you realize it, you know, I'm, I'm like tempted to edit it because I'm such <laughs> a fanboy there. Um, no, but yeah, people love him. People hate him. It's almost like this stark, like, yes or no to him, which is fine. But I don't um, get I how res- people hate respect- him. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, I, I, I I've heard his ego can be like a little out of control. But honestly, like from when I, whenever I talk to him, yeah, um, in person, like I didn't get that vibe. But, um, we we hit it off. I thought, yeah. Honestly, yeah, yeah, seriously, it was weird. Um, so, I mean, we do have some things in common in terms of, like, having a book, an audio book, and uh, enjoying suffering. And, um, like, literally, we were both out there during Moab 240 to, like, do stuff beyond, like, ourselves. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was surprised because I would, I would talk his ear off and, yeah – like then I'd wait and I'd be like, Oh shit. Like I was just way too, like I was talking way too much there. And then he'd start talking. I'm like, thank yeah. God. Okay, yeah. good, good. Yeah. Um, no, but he, he's a real dude. Like, you know, um, he's hilarious in person and 
uh, he he's a real dude. He's a real person. Yeah. He, you know, I I saw him peel off the side of the trail and pee three times. Like he's human. He pees. I can confirm it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, glad we're breaking the news here. You know, he wears he wears Asics. He doesn't want a shoe deal. He doesn't want to have to live live up to anyone's I love that. Yeah. I love like, it. Like like when we say he does or he says like he doesn't follow anyone. He has an Instagram account with two million followers and he follows zero people. Um <laughs> he's the best. He, That's why like I don't get like you have to respect that. You have to. Can I just confirm that there was probably a quarter of a mile where David Goggins was following me just for a quarter <laughs> of a mile of my life. Um I was in front of the trail. Yeah. Um he was following me. I was going to try to get on video and just be like, this is the one time in my life. I'll ever Dave. be beating David. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he said it takes him like 50 miles to warm up, which is kind of, of mind blowing. Yeah. But um, wow. he turned it on. And yeah, from what I could hear, tell from like just snippets here and there, like I don't know. I, I felt like for a 240 mile race for a guy who's never done beyond 200. Yeah. Like maybe it's aggressive, like kind of an aggressive pace. Um, and some of the one Oh ones for 200 milers, like having your phone charged always like my crew, I send them like a checklist that I've just kind of developed. And first thing on that list is always be charging is like my number one rule. So like if I hit an aid station, like, take my watch, charge it, take my phone, take my iPod, like, you're in such extreme environments there that you have to be charging at every opportunity that you have because you're really relying on on that. And the yeah. Candace requires GPS on your phone using the Gaia app. And so the course is very, very like obvious um anytime you properly just pull up the gaia app on your phone in airplane mode even yep you know exactly where you are and so there's no excuse to be off the course by more than a quarter of a mile yeah yeah um, guys so amazing every time i would come to an intersection just to be perfectly clear in in a race i did mm -hmm with that use Gaia, I was like, I have to open this just to check because otherwise I'm going off course and now I'm adding more time and things like that. After four 200s, I can open Gaia while I'm running. Yeah. And just <laughs> chat. like, no, it's gotten to the point where it's like, anytime I have a question, it takes 10 seconds to yeah. save me 10, 10 minutes. Exactly. So it's like an easy math equation. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like I feel like Goggins is going to be back at one of these races oh, and just yeah. blow the cover off it. Um, I, I just, I felt like, I don't know. That was, it was a pretty aggressive start. Um, just in my opinion, but just to elaborate on that story, I found myself at mile 140 and the aid station volunteers are like, Oh, Goggins is, you know, he's through here around 6am. And I look at my watch, I'm like, I think I even blurted it out loud. I'm like, I'm only three hours behind David Hawkins right now. And I was feeling good. I had rested properly, paced myself like an expert, honestly, yeah. um, after doing this a few times and screwing it up badly. And I had legs for, I knew I had 100 miles to go. And that's when I turned on 
kind of like the race mentality, honestly. I was like, it was just a fun game. I had perspective, but what other time in my life can I try to chase down an ex Navy SEAL like and be comfortable doing that? Yeah. <laughs> um, like I had at that point, I had more experience doing two forties than he did. I knew what it felt like to sprint during mile two ten. Like he didn't. And so I felt like I was actually, I had the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Um, but I'm not kidding myself. I'm like a middle of the pack runner normally. So yeah, but dude, it was I, just a fun cat and mouse game to like all of a sudden find myself <laughs> in the position to do it. You know, like I'm again, I'm not kidding myself. Like the guy's hands down one of the most fit humans I've ever seen. But <laughs> yeah, but man, like here's the thing is, um, you have these moments of realization where you're like, whoa, I might have just leveled up. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like doing the triple crown of 200s and training and and just kind of like following your journey this year and seeing the races you you took on, like, you know, you, you def, you're definitely like you have to be in just tremendous shape at this point. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life. Yeah. I mean, part of me was like, shit, if I had only done Leadville 100 this year and then didn't get up at 4 a.m. and, like, didn't do these other 200s, like, how would Moab gone? Like, I took yeah. – I ended up taking 19th place overall, 18th male. Um, it's not, like, a super stacked field. But, again, there's not many people that even want to sign up for this distance – um, but I, I keep feeling like the longer these races go, the, like I keep getting a little bit better yeah. with distance. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm able to think clearly most of the time. Um, and so, yeah, that was part of my logic. I've signed up for the, uh, California untamed three thirty next year. I saw that, man. I was going to bring it Which up when you, when you mentioned just the need insane, of but... your need of having a goal. I was like, man, a lot of people would take a month or two off before they even thought about a goal, you know, and, and I'm always conscious on the podcast. If I interview someone who has just finished something, I'm always conscious about being like, what's next? Cause I'm kind of like, Oh man, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I hate, I I'm almost like, Oh, they don't want to hear that. Like they just accomplished this amazing thing, but you've already announced what's next. So kind of like, give us like just a, a brief, like overview of that race. So I honestly, I don't know all the details and I like to go into races somewhat like wondering what's around the next bend. Yeah. Like I think maybe if I'm doing a Western States, it'd be nice to know like every climb and like how to hammer what. Um, but with these super long races, it becomes an adventure. So I like to be somewhat naive but yeah, it's it sounds like it's a point to point with about fifty thousand feet of gain over three hundred and thirty miles, um, multiple multiple days. Like, but I'm I'm tempted to be somewhat competitive, and I say that carefully. Like, yeah, um, because I I don't know how I'll feel going into it, but I'm excited that I know what two hundred fifty miles feels like on my legs. Yeah. And going back to Moab 240, when I was at mile 247, I cranked down and ran one of the better miles of my entire life. Like sub 10 minute mile, okay, like it's not that fast, but 
when you have 247 miles on your legs and you're running effortlessly without even opening your mouth um, and being out of breath, like with a low heart rate, I knew I was like in the best shape of my life. Yeah. And like even going back to mile 210, which was my mile like 220-ish, um, being able to get my leg turnover to the point where I was running at a pace of 635 that's insane it was, man it was it was downgrade it was downhill but but still um just to get your legs to turn over like that after 210 miles like i feel like i'm in the best shape of my life i'm now working with matt daniels as a coach so i'm taking next year even more serious yeah and matt um, was real quick he was the subject of your film where basically the the concept was he's run a sub four mile sub four minute mile. And then he did his first 100 miler Western States. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I was, I was blown away. I'm not trying to become an elite. I know what my physical limitations are. I don't want to become an elite. I want to become slightly faster so that I can suffer a little bit less. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be able to go I want to be able to go explore the trails with anyone at any pace. So like, you know, if if some if some elite invites me out for 10 miles, like I don't want to be stressed that I can't keep up with them. Yeah. So that's so I I want to be kind of like faster than middle of the pack for next year, but I don't I'm not trying to win a race. Yeah. Um, but being somewhat competitive makes it kind of fun, you know, for like California untamed, like just being able to ask like what position I'm in, you know, there's only going to be a hundred, maybe 150 people out there, but who knows like what kind of cool experiences. And again, if you're just like, I really experienced this at Moab 240, like just having that slight physical ability that's just a little bit better than last year saved me half a day on my feet of suffering so that's like going from four, running four days which is that youtube video down to now like running three and a half days like that's a that's pretty nice. material difference so wow. yeah california untamed i mean i'd really like to so i'm running um black canyon 100k just as like a fun get my uh western states lottery ticket if i need it um or qualifier race and then if i get into western states i'd love it that might be up there in terms of my a goal and then utmb in august is up there i got a 50 50 chance i'd like to do leadville 100 um maybe potentially depending on how things fall doing um Leadman. And let's see here. I was just talking to Catcher about this. Moab 240, I'm kind of addicted to that race. So yeah. I kind of love it. You know, I've done it two of the three years it's been out. And part of me loves ending the season on like that crazy note. So <laughs> if I get asked to do the triple, if yeah. Candace calls me up and is like, hey, like we got to have you do this, like I'm interested. But and then Orcas Island. 200 is kind of there oh, I forgot but she announced that and i've her yeah. orcas island i think it was 50 miler that's always been on my list of of something to to check out it just looks so unbelievable there 
And there's there's a film festival there, so I got a film to bring. What? Like it just dude. It just could be like a cool, you know, cool experience. But I'm really, really excited for um races, yes, next year, but I have like two or three film projects I'm kind of working out right now. Yeah. They could just be and again, every film I put out from you know, Matt Daniels was my first one. Um there's airs in it. You know, it's not perfect. Nothing I do is ever perfect. Um, but you got to ship it at one point. That's what I've realized is like, you're never going to get anything 100% perfect. Uh, instead, you know, like you could be, you could still be waiting around to release your first podcast. You know what I mean? Cause it's never, there's there's a perfect (laughs) imperfection is beautiful and perfect. And I'm, I've really started to like study that it's like Wabi Sabi, I think in, in Japanese, is this concept of like, you know, a broken dish that they glue together is more beautiful than the dish in the first place. And it it can easily turn into an excuse to be lazy. Um, But I do feel like that's part of my podcast and why it resonates because I don't go through an edit. Like it's a conversation. You do this really well too. Like it feels real. It's not a turnoff because it's so perfect. Yeah. And so, I want my films to feel real, but like not amateur. But yeah, these next this next project or two could be just outrageously fun. Yeah. Um, and I think Atlas Genius asked me to do a music video. Uh, if if I can do that for uh, quite a low budget, um, but I love them, so I might. I don't know. That's I don't cool, know. I, man, doing a music video. It would be fun. It would be, be really fun. fun. It would probably be the worst music video ever produced. But no. no. That's like, you know, some sync video from back in the 90s. <laughs> you know? Maybe like, I could just steal all that concept and just apply. <laughs> yeah. They're perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So I wrote a whole list of questions, but then you kind of like you touched on a lot of them. Uh let me try to find, Oh, this, I actually am really interested about this. Okay. So, um, last year you mentioned just getting into this like ridiculous flow state, um, at a point in in Moab. Uh, okay. So going out there with a film crew and having to film it, does that prevent you from getting into a flow state? I mean, that's a good question. I think, no, it doesn't. Um, And a lot of the time I was, I had a GoPro on me at every single mile, all 650 miles of the triple crown. Um, and so Ryan, Ryan was heavy on aid stations and the half mile in and out of the aid stations along with the beginning and the finish lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of this was me having to just kind of give updates so if I was in deep flow, like I'm not going to get, get out my GoPro is pretty much up to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a bummer this year, honestly, uh, hitting that exact stretch of road yeah. and not, not even being in flow, let alone like the next level stuff that I talked about in my book. Um, it was kind of a bummer. And then even worse was like three miles later feeling like I tore my left quad <laughs> Uh, that would with, be worse. So like having, <laughs> having 80 miles. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about like stark difference, like going from religious higher level state <laughs> flow to yeah. like 
torn quad and limping. Like, uh, what a difference a year makes. Yeah. Did you ever figure out what that was? So you didn't, you didn't like physically actually tear your quad, even though it felt like that. But like, it what, was such acute hard pain. Like I've never felt like that, but. I already mentally committed to finishing this race pretty much regardless. Yeah. Um, cause of how many dollars could be raised to help other families. Like this was not about my physical body. This was helping other families in need. Um, so it's way beyond my well being, which is probably the only time I'll ever say that. So I don't recommend other people being in that similar condition and just keep pushing through. But I was I was pretty dehydrated when I hit this certain point and then I I lost touch with my balance of electrolytes. So I I hit a bunch of salt because I felt like it was muscle cramping. Yeah. And it wasn't muscle cramping and I couldn't figure it out, honestly. Yeah. Um and it took hiking the next two segments. Luckily they're all uphill, gnarly, like slow trails. So it took I don't know, 40 miles of just kind of torturous uh, quad pain to then, and it was bad on the descents. Like once we finally got up and over like the steep descents where you really like trash your quads, that was, that was pretty painful. (laughs) I have a pain, I have a high pain tolerance and that was like, yeah, my poor pacer. You heard me complain for 40 miles. (laughs) Were you ever brought to like tears, whether, whether it being tears of pain in that moment or like tears of joy or whatever? Uh, I was close in terms of pain. Yeah. Uh, I think it was more verbalized though. And then (laughs) finish line, it's always, it's always weird. Like I feel like, the moments I should cry during ultras or be emotional like that. I'm just so spent that I don't have the energy to, and my tear glands are just like, no, no, like we haven't slept in like four days. So (laughs) no, we (laughs) don't have any to spare, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. We Um, use that hydration up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, that's crazy. Well, a couple, I guess real quick, um, Best mile, worst mile. And I think you probably already touched on these, but just curious. There's, uh, so yeah, best mile Moab 240 was again, that, that 210 hitting a 635 pace. Like pretty amazing. It's insane. Like most people listening to this are going to be like, they can't wrap their heads around that. You know, having just the ability to turn over your legs for a 630 pace for me has always been like, wow, like, I've never run below six minute mile. And so to have the legs turning over, uh, yeah, that was amazing. And then, yeah, when I hit the, like the roughly three miles to go and just dropped into the top 20 and I have video of this, I just shared on Facebook. I think I'm going to try to share it on Instagram, but yeah, running with Matt Daniels and having his jaw drop for, um, a, a, I think it was a 9:30 pace or something like that yeah. for a mile it was just like wow like like physically I'm so disconnected from like my mental state like I was just such in a perfect mental state like I didn't feel my body and I was just 
I, I kept using the word hammering during my race recap, but like that's the only way I can describe it. I was just hammering it. Nobody was going to take top 20 away from me. Like I just, and then I got a half a mile out from the finish line. I saw Celia and her two sisters and all of a sudden my top 20, I could give yeah two. Like I just didn't care at all. Like we walked, we jogged. Yeah. I'm with this, Little girl had just turned nine that day. Like basically that exact moment that I saw them, she turned nine. Yeah. Um, I didn't care what place I was in. I was, yeah, it was so weird. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, that was a special finish line. And then picking out that belt buckle was just like, I had Celia pick it out. It was probably one of the most amazing moments of my life. Honestly. That's so cool. So yeah. Worst mile. <laughs> uh when I, I thought have said I said worst mile first and then best mile but when, when I thought I tore my quad <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm like hiking yeah hike limping up this climb and then when I get to the top I I can see Howie Stern like probably the best race photographer in the world and his truck's there and his two dogs are there so I'm like oh crap like really like I'm I'm at my lowest point in this race and now I'm going to be captured like in a pure, like he's going to capture this. So the world's going to see this one. (laughs) Um, you got to share that picture when that comes out, you know, I, I shared one of them. Yeah. It's, it was a low moment. Um, and I think I was just more upset about, uh, just the difficulty of getting, the race done yeah it wasn't like I, I don't know it's hard to describe it wasn't like i thought my race was over it was just it was it was excruciating getting to that next aid station um and trying to gimp run yeah it was hard you're like oh man i'm gonna get this done but now i'm gonna slow down it's gonna take way longer you know i'm gonna be in way more pain yeah, I get like that would be frustrating for sure. I go from like two and a half segments that were like the best in my life where I'm chasing down a Navy SEAL yeah. to then like, like what the hell just happened? Like I didn't even, I didn't do anything. Like yeah. I just ran out of water and I was walking basically like walk hiking and all of a sudden my quad just stopped working. Oh man! So it was weird. It was really weird. That's super weird. Uh, and then last question real quick. How much ice cream have you dominated throughout <laughs> the whole Triple Crown? Oh, man. I think um, and I, think what's I had. Your go-to? What's your go-to ice cream in those Well, moments? honestly, it's, so this sounds pathetic, but it's just like this vanilla, Dude, like plain vanilla. Um, pathetic, man. It's a classic too- for a reason. It was in the fridge, and uh, <laughs> I just took care of it. Um, I think I took two down post Bigfoot, two more vanilla post Tahoe, and post Mo- uh, Moab 240, my mom got the Oreo. Uh, I don't know. It, there's a bunch of Oreos. Took that down, and then I just got Sounds the Carb Smart. Took that down. So I'm like six deep now. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I have a theory. I'm at high school weight too, so <laughs> still. I have a theory, and it's basically just you go through these races and you're eating just like 
you know, and I know you're eating a lot of different things in a 200 miler, but there is a lot of like the quick carbs and sugar and stuff like that. And you get to the end and you're just like, I want fat and I want protein and I want it now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's something your body craves. Cause I talked to a dude for like a mile and a half about how much ice cream we were eating. <laughs> and I was like, I swear it's like calcium deficiency. Maybe there's like an iron thing Probably going on. Is. Yeah. And again, calories, fat, protein, like ice cream seems to have done the job and then it just destroys my stomach for a day or two. And then I'm dumb enough to forget Then I, you know, I'm walking through target and of course they have carb smart all of a sudden. Yeah. So like, perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Uh, what, what's one thing if someone's looking to sign up for, a 200 mile race like what's one thing you would uh suggest to them uh, you know like some yeah whether it's like a resource or just like a piece of advice you got or something you learned on your journey there's so in terms of resources there's not much out there yeah. and honestly i've spent a lot of this year trying to share information um on that not to point you to my podcast, but I literally have been exploring that concept and trying to learn myself. Yeah. So like if you want, there's a ton of podcasts that I've done with some of the best 200 milers in the world and I just pick their brain. I mean, to explore it with you, the listener, yeah. um, pick one that's closer to home. So there's enough stress going into things. Like if you have the choice of flying out to Europe and doing one and you're, you know, you're from the Midwest or you can do one that's a drive or like a short flight. Like it yeah. just, it keeps your body in sync with time zones. It makes it just the logistical side of it that much easier. Like don't set yourself up for failure. And same thing goes for a hundred miler or, you know, hundred K 50 miler, like keep it local if possible until you get your sea legs. And then, then you can start experimenting once you have a few under your belt. Um, but this is a whole different world that we're exploring. There's probably not many people in the world that have done four, um, four two hundreds and probably just doing two, uh, two forties is probably pretty rare, uh, territory at this point. And yeah, I would say last advice would be go to the DMV and just wait in line and, and learn patience. Like, no other. Um, no, seriously, though, like these miles, these segments, you you hear them and it's 25 miles. Yeah. But think in terms of minutes and hours because sometimes your pace, like during a Bigfoot, if you have a 20-mile segment with, I don't know, 7,000 feet of gain, those are not quick miles. So quit thinking in terms of miles. Start thinking in terms of hours. Dude. And get ready to be patient and yeah, don't underestimate sleep. Yeah, I slept more during Moab 240 this year than any other 200, and it was hands down my best 200. So that's awesome, man. That's yeah. solid advice, and like you said, and that's why I wanted to ask you that. It, like, not many people have ran four of these things. So um, awesome, dude, and. 300s are the new 200. 200. Oh, don't tell Candace <laughs> that, man. Come on. We're trying to get we're trying to get ahead on the trademarks. <laughs> yeah. Candace, 1 Candace million loves, is the is the new 100. 
Candace will add a 60 mile option to Moab at some point, probably. Like it'll be an. Out. She does a great job. Yeah. Her her aid stations. Oh my god, they're amazing. So. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, I I I definitely am interested. You you 200 milers have my attention. Uh, maybe even more than 100 miles, to be honest. So, I was. Uh, so I'll end with. I think physically a hundred miler is more difficult than a 200 miler. Uh, Cause you're just constantly running. You have no breaks. You just go for 24 yeah. hours roughly or 30 hours where 200, I think is three times more mentally and emotionally taxing. So if you're physically prepared and ready to go for a solid hundred miler, you can put in an honest effort Um you know, and, and you're not scared of signing up for a run rabbit run or something with 20,000 feet of gain. Once you get to that point, um, and you've learned patience beyond all patience, like just be prepared emotionally and mentally three times what that hundred mile effort will be. And then you're, you're set for 200. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of hiking. There's a lot of like more strategic aspects to these races than just running a hundred miler. Like, so hopefully I don't set you astray there. Like I'm trying to give good advice. I, I think. No, that's great advice. Yeah. Have yeah. perspective, you know, be working towards something greater than yourself and you'll find you get through those low moments. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, where can people find you? Uh, I mentioned training for ultra podcast, um, but kind of like give a shout out to, to all the stuff you got going on. Yeah. Um, I'm, I used up all my creativity. So training for ultra is basically everything, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter. I think I had to shorten and use the number four and it's, I'm on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Always love that. I think I've made 10 bucks so far this year on YouTube. <laughs> um, no, but the Matt Daniels film is on there and Perfect. readily available to view. And then, yeah, the book's on Audible. So um, I think there's a Kindle version. And if you want the physical copy, it's on my website, trainforalter.com. But a lot of people really like the Audible version of the book so far. Yeah, that's So hopefully awesome, it's man. inspiring you guys. That's all I'm doing this for. Heck yeah, man. That's, that's awesome, dude. Well, Rob, thank you so much for coming on. We'll, uh, we'll get back at you. I, I for sure want to hear about everything you're doing next year. And uh, yeah, sounds good. Let's go for a run. Take care of that ankle. Let's take care of that ankle first. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll go train up at Leadville or something. Heck yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the show. Uh, huge thanks to Rob. Please check out Training for Ultra. Uh, check out everything he does. Uh, really enjoyable, really cool to have people in the ultra running community um, documenting, sharing their stories, trying to share inspiration. And I think that's something a lot of people who do ultra running connect to um, because it seems like such a flabbergasting like bizarre thing to do where you're like yeah i'm gonna go run for days and people are like wait 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 did you say minutes or did i hear you correctly and you said days um and it's it's bizarre but you want to show them like hey like i am a normal human being too and this is the path i took in order and 
in order to actually reach this goal. And these are the sacrifices I made. And, and this is the hard work I put in. This is the consistency. And this is where I put my focus. And it shows people wherever, if you put that focus in and you put that hard work in, you can accomplish literally something that is mind-blowingly insane. <laughs> like the Triple Crown of 200. So uh, love what Rob's doing. Definitely going to support uh, everything he does. I, I'm hoping to have him back on the show in the future. He's just a, a really good, passionate dude. So um, thanks again, Rob. Uh, like I said, that's Training for Ultra. Uh, he has a podcast. He has short films. He has a documentary series coming out, a book. Uh, check out all of it. It's It'll really inspire you and kind of push you towards your own goals. Um, so next week, I, I'm planning, and we'll see if the plan works out to uh, the way it's, it's going to, um, plan to do a podcast uh, about the Marine Corps Marathon 50K. Um, I'm flying out tomorrow to Washington, D.C., um, me and my good friend Phil Pinty. Uh, if you've heard the podcast before, um, you know uh, Phil absolutely loves the Marine Corps Marathon. We interviewed um, the race director, Rick Nealis, on the show. And uh, and yeah, we're looking forward to competing in the inaugural event. Um, as life does, it throws you some, some, uh, some twists and turns along the way. Um, I did not expect to sprain my ankle last week, I'll tell you that much. Um, as of right now, um, it's feeling pretty good. It's definitely, there's some soreness there. Uh, but walking, like there's no limping or anything like that. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to line up at the, at the start line, give it my best shot. Uh, whatever happens, happens. If I have to walk, if I have to go slow and all that, that's great. Um, I'm not really looking to compete or sprint or whatever. Com mostly when I say compete, it's not with it's not with the other racers It's mostly competing against myself in my own time and my own curiosity of like, how fast can you run a 50 K on a road? Um, I do have that curiosity, but at the same time, this is not the time nor the place where I'm going to figure that out. Instead, this race brings you all around Washington, DC. You get to see all the monuments. I'm going to take a lot of pictures. Um, it's going to be a road race, which is new to me. A big road race so um, I'm hoping there's a lot of spectators that would be cool um, it'd be cool if they if they handed out beers you know as a spectator I'd be okay with that um, so if you are spectating <laughs> at the Marine Corps Marathon um, but yeah so I'm just looking forward to the race and the experience and hanging out with Phil and uh, yeah it's just gonna be a, a good time um, I've gotten a lot of support about the ankle thing, which has been really cool. A lot of advice. Um, and for everyone who's like, don't hurt it worse. I'm 100% in agreement and I'm a hundred percent on your side. Uh, I feel the need to at least give it a shot. So, cause I, th I'm thinking back, I'm like my previous, here's my previous four races. And, um, so last spring I was going to do a 12 hour race, uh, at a park really close to me. And, uh, it downpoured, uh, I think the Thursday before the race. And then that night we got a, uh, email saying it was canceled, which was a huge bummer and it was rescheduled, but it was rescheduled right when I was doing desert rats, uh, desert rats went about as perfectly as it possibly could have. Um, I, you know, it was where 
preparation meets opportunity um, and everything and meets the game plan. And I stuck to the game plan and it worked out really well. It was awesome. Uh, once again, check out those podcasts, man. It was a great experience. Um, there's some big time racers racing it this year. Uh, so still, if you use the promo code ward, it's 25% off. If you want to join them, uh, I think Courtney DeWalter is signed up right now. So just, uh, if that, if that sparks your interest, um, but really honestly, it should just be a race. Everyone looks to, um, it's a really a hidden gym, uh, especially out here in Colorado, but that race went really well. So, uh, did not start one did the best race I've ever had the next one. And then the, I signed up for a trail marathon and a rock slide on the Friday night prevented me from actually getting to the start of that race. So I did not start that one. And then flash forward to last week at a wedding, standing in line for the bathroom, sprained my ankle. Um, and it was at the beginning of the wedding. Let me just say that <laughs> there's no real excuse except that I was wearing dress shoes and, um, and I, tri I just slipped on a rock as one of those weird chances, which side note makes Rob's story even more miraculous, right? Like this dude went over, he did three 200 mile races and, uh, didn't twist his ankle or sprain his ankle once, which is incredible. Um, but my first thought when I did that was like, dude, this is going to be the third race this year. I'm going to did not start. Um, and luckily I got home, iced it. It wasn't that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Uh, like I said, I'm walking now without a limp. So, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it, you know, so I'm going to start. That's all. Sometimes you just got to start and you got to see where it goes from there. So, uh, yeah, but I'm looking forward to coming back on, uh, talking about it, letting you guys know how it goes. Um, I hope you guys have a good weekend. Hope you're off to a good start to your fall and yeah, we'll get back at you next week.